Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm your co-host, Mike One. Co-host also, Mike, is here. We are in a post-Super Bowl, pre-Oscars world now. Uh, but the Super Bowl, having just been in our rear view, was a great moment for us to stop and see the upcoming film slate, or what's coming up this film year. A lot of previews that we'll be talking about today, Michael. Yeah, and a lot of Oscar news. So mm-hmm. we got a lot of happy stuff to talk about, but I think we may have had... I don't know the 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 lowest low point in our pre-production pre-show <laughs> conversations ever. I don't know. Just like both of us are in the are down in the dumps today. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can talk ourselves up. But I'm just like it's a snow. Day. There's like I got to go shovel at least like ten feet of snow after yeah. this. Yeah. And I yeah, I think uh, <laughs> I think the Oscar trailer sucks. I think the Super Bowl commercial sucked. I think, uh, I think you, Taylor you, Swift has ruined the country. Yes, but not really, in the way yeah. we think. But it not not it's not her Fair fault. Right, but yeah. everybody's reactions to Taylor Swift uh, having a boyfriend <laughs> apparently is like oh, that's the worst. Yeah, like everybody's did. true colors. Is, oh, just despicable shit, my friend. Despicable Anger. shit. Yeah, not, not no, I just I can't. I, I like. Well, who cares? Who cares? <laughs> the little girls are happy. <laughs> who cares? It was a great game. It was on the news. What the hell? A lot of, a lot of girls watching football with their fathers I, i'm all for it my, my niece watched some of the Super right? Bowl. she's a big swifty yeah I'm a, i love taylor more taylor swift please not enough disney plus the, go ahead disney plus is putting five extra songs yeah. on the uh, eras tour concert film by the way i mean people are just let's let them be happy yeah we have a trailer coming up in our trailer reviews where where they somebody's crying. Ryan Gosling's crying to a trailer, Taylor Swift song, and I might. I was like, this, thank God somebody gave Taylor Swift some mainstream exposure this weekend. She deserved it <laughs> after all her hard work. That poor girl. I mean, the the shit she has to do. Anyway, we'll get into all of it. Uh, we're gonna start talking about, I guess, some Super Bowl stuff, and we'll start here. The uh, Super Bowl. Apparently, was the most viewed program in in history in this country. Anyway, 123.4 million people total tuned in when you count the live uh, live broadcasts and streaming afterwards. Which, uh, of course, had nothing to do with Taylor's. Yeah, book. right. Of course, <laughs> naturally, zero, <laughs> zero. Uh, what was your favorite commercial? We got a bunch here. I think film Twitter's favorite was the Affleck, Damon, J Lo, Tom. That Brady, was good. Dunkin That's Donuts. definitely top three for me. Yeah, that was good. I like that one. I liked Aubrey Plaza, I think. I mean, look, I like the Christopher Walken, all of the impersonations good. by everybody he, he interacted with. And I, li- I like the longer trailer even better on YouTube mm-hmm. for the BMW 5. But I think Aub- Aubrey Plaza's Mountain Dew Blast, it's me, America's sweetheart, right <laughs> right off the top. And then she's like, uh, probe me already to the flying saucer. And Nick Offerman shows up. And he's just got timing, man. He's the best. <laughs> So that, that 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 one got me. I had a good belly laugh. Uh, the Glenn Close cameo and the Tina Fey one, I thought was a commercial made just for me. I appreciated that. That was a nice was touch. Funny. I did not see that coming. My favorite though was the uh, not so much the you know like a good neighbor 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 thing with with Arnold, <laughs> but the ending with him and Danny DeVito. I really I, I realized in that moment just seeing Danny and Arnold on screen together makes me feel happy. So that was my favorite. Yes. Yes, they need to do a twins uh, too. If, if it's that easy for it. State Farm to put them together, how difficult is it for Hollywood to find? T- like, just pay these guys. We got all this other nostalgia, right? We can't have that nostalgia. Don't understand it. 
But yeah, that was. You, well, let's write it. You and me, we'll write it, and then we'll just we'll give it to Danny from us intermediary. To you. This is our gift to yeah. you. This is thirty-eight pages of nonsense. Yeah, that's how that would go. Um, what did you think of the halftime commercial, Usher? Halftime show? Yeah, it was. It halftime was fine. Show. I, look at here's my issue with the halftime show. Okay. I love all of those songs. Yes, because we grew up with right. all of those songs. We were huge fans mm-hmm. of multiple albums from Usher. Yes. However. He played like 10 second snippets. And right when I was just getting into each song, you know, all of the old people at our at my Super Bowl party were just like, what? <laughs> and then he switched songs. and I couldn't even enjoy zero of it. Right. Zero amount right. of it until they got the roller skates on, which was hilarious and great. And then I, yeah, I showed up. Give, I was happy. but I, I didn't give enough credit to the roller skating and first blush. I was like, all right, that was like a six. I even put it in. Kenzie yelled at me, and rightfully so, on uh, on Twitter. Right. I was like, that was like a 6.5. I wasn't that blown away. And then I'm like, man, he, this dude's on roller skates. He's spinning around. He's in his 40s. He's in great shape, stripping off his shirt, making every, like, every, every yeah. girl from the age of, like, 20 to – I don't know, 60 blush, like still doing the Usher thing. And I, I put this on Twitter. Like I saw Usher in concert. I think I might've talked about it on the show in 05. And it was just the most sexual experience ever. It was like, I was at an orgy. <laughs> like I wasn't, I didn't sign up to be at, but like the man just oozes sex appeal. I didn't give him enough credit. That was my bad. That was a good show. You always uh, sign up for your orgies apparently. Okay. And yeah. Well, there is a sign up. Impromptu. Right, yeah, exactly. Right. I'm not used to them being thrust upon me. So, that's right. As, as was the case with Usher. I, I mean, he like, he was going to grind on every woman in the audience in that 05 show. And they were like, "You're, yeah, this is what's happening now. You're going to grind on us. And that's what happened. It was like three hours. And he got ago. married. He, <laughs> he got, got married, married like in right Vegas. after yeah. the show. That was great. He made everybody hot and sweaty. And then he got married. <laughs> and taken. <laughs> Her was great. But yeah, the, the cameos were fun. Lil John at the end yep. was fun. I mean, I just wish they played half the songs and played them out a little longer. That was my one criticism. I but think the was, leadoff song was Caught Up, and that was not one of the songs I saw listed with odds. It was uh, OMG and My Way were the two favorites. Uh, you could bet on those. I thought it was going to be Oh My God. But uh, yeah, he started with Caught Up, which used to be one of my baseball songs to get me all pumped up back in the day. So I was happy about that. And I don't know if you noticed this, but there was a guy holding like he was i mean he had one hand up and it was a cirque du soleil thing and there was another person's head but the head was facing towards the ground it was like he just like snatch cleaned him straight up in the air full extension over his head but revert like it shouldn't have happened i did not but see it was, this i was watching the beginning of this halftime show I was like, what? What is that? It's like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio gift from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, it, it, it's a one hand. It's a one hand snatch lift. I couldn't believe it. It was amazing. That was the most amazing part. But, Usher yeah. doing a crossover with Ripley's Believe It or Not feats of human strength there. Yeah. Uh, good show overall. Good good Super Bowl. I, uh, I, I, I won money. I was happy with the winner. I'm happy Taylor Swift won too to make all the haters angry. You were on Patrick Mahomes winning for a while. You don't make money betting against Patrick Mahomes, Michael. That's not how you make money. I've been on Patrick Mahomes uh, even before he got drafted. Yeah, he's very good. You remember that? You remember when MMO just started and somebody, a certain somebody was saying, (laughs) just trade your whole draft for him? (laughs) Nobody else was saying that. This certain somebody was saying that. I think Dave Gettleman said that about Daniel Jones. 
Daniel Jones. Uh, <laughs> all right, we got to move on. But this, we're going back into the malaise. We just started to perk up. But yeah, we got award season news. We got a lot of it. Uh, but okay, I'm not going to perk up yet because this Oscar trailer. I think you just hate out. Jimmy Kimmel. I think that's what we've discovered here. I think I you're think, not a fan of I Jimmy think. Kimmel. No. I think you're a contrarian. And I think this <laughs> is the test case, case in point, whatever case you want to say, make the case for the for why you're a contrarian. Because I, I don't know how you watched this and, and liked it. I Like, I didn't laugh once. I mean, I, I was even you ready for that. You didn't laugh when Jimmy stuff. Kimmel and Ryan Gosling were staring at each other and just screaming in each other's face? No, that was awful. <laughs> I was, uh, what are we doing? <laughs> how many takes Mike, do you think I, that took? You can't stare I, in another man's face and just, I'm laughing talking about it. It's impossible it took, to do. If it took more than one, uh, <laughs> they, they they all should be fired from the business and kicked out of Hollywood forever. <laughs> We're talking about this four-minute trailer for the Oscars show that ABC and Jimmy Kimmel Live collaborated on and put forward. And it's, it's Jimmy Kimmel going to uh, Weird Barbie's house, getting in the Weird Mobile and finding his way to the Oscars because he gets lost. He ends up in Barbie land. And it turns out America Ferreira and Jen Ryan Gosling are both heading in the backseat. Like, I, I don't, it was as inoffensive. We get one of these every year where the, oh, we right. got to cleverly use the best picture nominees in like directions or like whatever. This was fine. It was, it was nothing. They're supposed to be corny. They're supposed to be corny. I get it. I'm just, I, I'm just hoping that more people are like you and it went over better than it went over with me. For whatever reason, I was just watching this and I'm just like, Jesus, God, I award you no points. And America uh, Ferrera's speech didn't get you? you? Yeah, it's just like, uh, I like that speech. I, maybe I'm too serious about America Ferrera's speech. I loved it so much in the movie that I don't want to see it parodied in any way, shape, or form. But it's maybe being parodied what? by America Ferrera. <laughs> yeah, but it's still a parody. But so she must know. say it's okay. In and out jokes, uh, like yeah, this is the low hanging fruit. We're just gonna grab all of the low hanging oh, fruit. And if, you don't, if you don't like low hanging fruit, <laughs> stay off TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in trouble. I know audiences love corn. This is what we're in for. I mean, but yeah, I just for whatever reason, this one it was fine. Like it wasn't anything special, me. but it, it was it was it was whatever. You ever see a non ticklish person getting tickled? <laughs> that that's what this trailer it's a was. Terrible, for. horrifying visual. <laughs> Yeah, just like staring at the person trying to tickle them. <laughs> I don't know why, but Michael Shannon popped into my head. <laughs> yeah, Michael. Think of Michael Shannon. Michael Shannon. Somebody tickling Michael Shannon. Him, stop it. <laughs> From the shape of don't water. Don't do that. <laughs> or every single one of his movies. Think of that. Yeah. And not him not being ticklish. <laughs> Anyway. anyway, the Oscar the Oscar nominees luncheon happened, and another annual tradition here is that we read the reporting from mm-hmm. our uh, favorite pundits, Scott Feinberg, Clayton Davis, etc. Scott is always reporting on who got the biggest rounds of applause. And to note, last year he said Jamie Lee Curtis got the biggest round yes. of applause when her name was announced to step up and, and take her seat for the Academy nominees uh portrait right or the the class portrait that they all take big picture that we we retweeted from jazz there and here's what scott said michael to scott's uh ear for whatever it's worth the loudest ovations in the room went to barbie's robbie and gerwig oppenheimer's downey whose name was the last called and nolan 
and the holdovers, Paul Giamatti. So those are the uh, the people who got the loudest ovations. Not really any surprise with a lot of support in the room for Robbie and Gerwig, uh, Downey and uh, uh, Giamatti there, longtime industry veterans, and Nolan doing the impossible this year. Giamatti's my big takeaway there. I think the fact that he's beloved in the room may matter a little bit. And he may he may get over the top because that's probably a close race with the number one movie and Killian Murphy. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. Anyway, good take Clayton him. Davis, he had some takeaways as well. Apparently, Anatomy of a Fall Dog, Messi was the star of the event last year. Everybody was flocking to Tom Cruise to take a picture. This year, Messi the dog, who probably gave the performance of the year, according There's to us. There's a right? video somewhere of Ryan Gosling meeting the dog and just like geeking out mm. that I saw on social media this morning. So yeah. I would, too. I mean, that dogs, dogs, are, dogs are the best. That dog's performance, and what a cute dog. Everybody wanted to see Cannot believe That was the, the best acting movie. performance of the year. You're right. I stepped on we your uh, setup there. But, yeah, he was phenomenal. No, it's not the first time you've stepped on uh, my setup. But I think uh, <laughs> Daniel, uh, Daniel Brooks, Jonathan Glazer, Jody Foster, Robert De Niro, uh, Hayao Miyazaki, those were notable no-shows, according to Mr. Davis. And we've seen that hurt people in the past as well. Tony Collette comes to mind, doesn't she? Glazer no showing is kind of a surprise, no? Isn't that odd? Got I thought he love, was in contention categories for adapted screenplay, perhaps. I'm yeah. still reading that book. It's still like mesmerizing or listening mm. to that book. When I'm not listening to my 74 podcasts that I subscribe to, <laughs> right. that's my problem with audiobooks now. I have too many podcasts that I love, but say la vie. This Sunday's BAFTAs, Michael, will be broadcast on the BBC on a two-hour tape delay. Film Twitter was losing their minds with this this morning. Oh, were they? Apparently the show <laughs> is going to be edited down uh, to a two-hour-long broadcast, and uh, it's going to also be streamed on something called BritBox, which I don't know what it is. But do you have any any reaction to this? Oh uh, yeah, it's been on BritBox the last couple of years. Uh, my only reaction is that's Film Twitter. Film Twitter has made it awfully hard for me to go on the <laughs> MM and Oscar account the last year. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, anyway, the, we did have a big award ceremony. The DGA, the Directors Guild of America, picked their winners. And Christopher Nolan took the big prize for uh, the DGA for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in a Theatrical Feature Film over Greta Gerwig, Yorgos Lanthimos, Alexander Payne, and Martin Scorsese, Michael. Yeah, and every time I, we come up on some kind of competition and, like, I in my head it's decided that, okay, this category is over, this, this show is done, done. You know, whether it's an Oscar stage or a sporting event or whatever, like that song by Corrupt from way back in the day. And this is where you get to accuse me of being stuck in a time capsule again. I think it was 2001. <laughs> it's over now by Corrupt. It starts playing in my head. And Saturday night when I saw Nolan one, it was no different. And we've talked. Can you to, sing a couple bars? It's over. It's over now. Move over. It's my turn now. It's over. <laughs> can you sing the whole song? I me, absolutely please? can. If you'd like me to. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the DGA crossover is like the strongest crossover stat out there between the winner of the DGA and the winner of the uh, directing Oscar category. And it's like 90 something percent over the last however many years. And I like th this to quote corrupt this game shut down. Sorry, Christopher Nolan's won. <laughs> He's probably one. I, I agree with you. Uh, another big win on the DGA slate there was Celine Song. She won the Michael Apted Award for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in a first-time theatrical feature film over Cor Jefferson, Manuela Martelli of Chile, 76, Nora Niasari of Shida, and A.B. Rockwell of 1001, Michael. 
So the award's only been around since 2015, but some of the names on there, the list of winners especially, are quite telling as to what kind of career we may expect Celine Song to have going forward. Alex Garland won it. Garth Davis has won it. Jordan Peele has won it. Those are the headliners, among others, uh, who have been nominated and taken home this trophy. So uh, big, th- it's, 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 I'm trying to think of an adjective, like prescient is the only word that comes to mind, but it's big. De- yeah. It's a big deal company. That's not right. That's not, that's terrible. That's awful English. I went to prescient and I said, no, that's not a good word for that circumstance. And I went big deal company instead. Good God. Well, you've been uh, listening to a lot of campaigns uh, by certain politicians. <laughs> a lot of old men you're running starting, for president. <laughs> you're starting to talk like them. Yeah. Big deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. <laughs> company. Big time. Big time stuff. <laughs> It's a lead song. You we're we're happy right. for it. And you might but, be right. But this, no, because you're. I know you're hate watching his speeches. I know you're doing. Well, it. it's both and, of them uh, at this point. Like and just geriatric right. of the month on this country nonsense. That's anyway. right. We're 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 all going to hell. But Celine <laughs> Song winning here. I do wonder if this helps her in the original screenplay category. I'm I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping that is a toss up between Celine Song and Justine Trier, you know, and Arthur Harari. There, I th- I think those are the most deserving. But we'll see. Miss Tislav Chernoff of 20 Days in Mariupol uh, won the DGA for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in a Documentary. Yeah, and this is a development here, Michael, because 20 Days in Mariupol is really the only, you know, movie in the game right now in terms of the documentary precursors the rest of the way. It's the only film that's nominated for PGA, DGA, and BAFTA, all three of them. And this is a, a development because none of these other nominees for Oscar, because Oscar picked mm-hmm. five international features for documentary, Bobby Wine, Four Daughters, The Eternal Memory, and To Kill a Tiger. I mean, we were pleased with these nominees when they came out, but there's really no other path than for 20 Days in Mariupol if you are taking into consideration these precursors. So yeah. this this is rare. This doesn't happen that often. So this is going to take, in my opinion, this is going to take the Academy members to actually watch these documentary feature nominees to like something better, I would say. Otherwise, they're probably going to see 20 Days in Mariupol with nine wins on the season, having won at Critics' Choice, having won at DGA, the inside track now at BAFTA and, uh, mm-hmm. and PGA, like I said. Doc NYC, it's been everywhere up till now. It was also in consideration of winning some international feature, you know, categories throughout the award season. It's a Ukraine war doc, so it's timely and prescient, some might say. And big deal, big deal. Big deal. It's a big deal doc. Yeah. Big deal doc. I wonder if it's too late for the documentary feature branch to uh, recant its nomination since it's clearly the front runner now. I like these nominations. I really do. I just I wish people would watch them. I don't. I I doubt people are going to watch them. I, I I still need to see To Kill a Tiger. That's because that's nowhere. I probably should try and figure out a screener at some point. But To Kill a Tiger is a movie I do want to see. But these other four, I, I I'm a big fan of each one of them. It's a bummer, but uh, yeah, I could just totally see the category, uh, the Academy going Ukraine doc. Okay, you got yeah. Check. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I think that's absolutely what's going to happen. Anyway, some TV DGA award winners. The Last of Us actually beat Succession. Something beat Succession. Peter Hoare won the DGA for Dramatic. Uh, but it was four Succession episodes. So people who get upset about cannibalization and vote sharing, <laughs> you stop. Yeah, this is, you know, guys, come on. Anyway, but The Last of Us did win there. Comedy uh, went to the bear, and I don't think Beef was eligible. So movies or limited series made for TV. Lessons in Chemistry. 
Sarah Adina Smith. Hmm. She won in that category. Otherwise, the Pedro Pascal episode of SNL, which I, I've been meaning to rewatch because that was one of the better SNL episodes in the longest darn time. But uh, Michael Mancini as Liz Patrick won there. So that's the DGA Awards. We also got the Art Directors Guild, Michael. And we're going to talk about two big categories in a minute, but it is worth noting. Saltburn won contemporary feature film. No Oscar nominees in there. But Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, wins animated feature for ADG. That's expected because it was actually up for production design. But again, Mm -hmm. I think it's good when these movies that are up for Oscars, they are winning guilds, and it it does matter, and it's a, a check you know, when we look at it and stack these resumes up. Yeah, and the, the resumes of poor things in this category just got stronger for its Oscars campaign in the production design category because it upset Barbie, which is the uh, presumed favorite and has been the betting favorite in this category anyway. Poor Things won the fantasy feature film category. It beat out Barbie, as well as the creator, Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and Wonka. Uh, and Oppenheimer won the ADG for period feature film over Oscar noms Killer of the Flo- Killers of the Flower Moon and Napoleon, Asteroid City, and Maestro were also nominated at the ADG. There, but the big story, obviously, poor things beating out Barbie in this category. And Barbie, as we know, won the Critics' Choice Production Design Award, which also, as we know, means it will win the Oscar. There is no stronger <sighs> correlation in the history of awards than the Critics' Choice <sighs> Production Design category, well, and for whatever reason, the Oscars' Production Design category, even though it didn't come true last year, did kind of a you did a stat, yeah. and there was a run. Yeah. And I think you were caught in that run yeah. and the way your mind works. If you're going to correct what's like, I, in my mind, it's a 99% correlation. <laughs> if you're going to bring facts into that to, to dissuade me from that, I'm not listening to you. You got nine years in a row. You did. You had nine years in a row. <laughs> it's so the way of you if softening you, the blow. <laughs> I'm just telling you, from 2021 back to 2013, you would have been right. Mm-hmm. However, it's 11 out of 15 in the 15 years that uh, the Critics' Choice Awards have had a production design category. Yeah. I don't know if they've had an art design category or whatever. I don't yeah. know why they wouldn't include that in the Wikipedia entry. If it's not on Wikipedia, I don't know what. I think in my mind it was the uh, <laughs> it was the the changing <laughs> academy came into play with it. So once they like once they widened out the uh, best picture and started doing the changing academy stuff, but in my mind I just remember there being a string of correlation and then there was like a couple before that didn't match up. And I was like, well those don't matter anymore clearly. <laughs> No, we're, our, our reality is crumbling, and mm-hmm. there's a couple reasons for it, because uh, bear with me here. So mm-hmm. Poor Things is now strong in production design, yeah. I think. However, we have the Set Decorators Society of America that's still coming, so we're going to have to wait and see uh, if Poor Things is going to win that other half of what production design and what the branch is composed of. But here's the thing. Poor Things is in period. And Barbie isn't fantasy alone. So poor things of Barbie are not going to go head to head in a production design category that's not at the BAFTAs or at least at a guild level. Right. So it's not going to go head to head with one another again. So this is the lone guild stat and 17 out of the last 20 production design winners have come from one of the category winners at the ADG, a stat from somewhere on film Twitter. And forgive me because I didn't. I didn't cite them, but uh, that that that's worth noting. However, there are three, four production design categories at the ADG Awards. So, you know, it's one of those things. But this is what I want to draw attention to. Barb, uh, poor thing, excuse me. It's in fantasy and mm-hmm. it's also in period piece. Does that mean it's steampunk or not steampunk? Mm. 
this is mm. like the question of the season for me. Like mm. I don't understand what steampunk How is. The hell I just that remember be a period piece. There are there are horses with no legs. There are horses carriages. with no legs. Powered by steam. Powered by steam. Yeah, that's not a period piece. There's a boat. <laughs> Tell me the period like in which we had steam-powered horse carriages. Yorgos Lanthimos watched the fucking Jetsons. <laughs> he played instruments the wrong way on purpose. He directed that. He directed the orchestra. Do we have little tiny glasses? And top hats throughout this thing. I mean, if if they started singing "Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West," I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> right, exactly. What is this? Is this steampunk or not steampunk? Is it a period piece? If it's a period it piece, it can't be steampunk. Or was there a peri- steampunk period? There should be a steampunk period. Maybe we need there, to start dressing uh, in flannel there? with vests over them and goggles on our heads, and we'll we'll start single handedly making the steampunk period. If we were a steampunk podcast, yeah. we we would find our tribe. We would, yeah, but wouldn't wouldn't but they I just, wouldn't they shun us for selling out? Because aren't they? I mean, you can't run a podcast no. on Steam. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor things in the Yorgos Lanthimos world. You probably could. For what it's worth, Barbie's odds are drifting a bit, but it is still the heavy favorite in production design. Poor things is uh, shortening, but it's still you know plus one fifty, plus two fifty in that range. Barbie's still minus three hundred or so in most books. So uh, take that for what it's worth right now. BAFTA's going to have something to say. Anyway, a couple little nuggets. We had the Goya Awards going heavy for Society of the Snow. That helps. I mean, it won 12 Goyas. I still haven't watched it. i got to watch that. Yeah, that helps Society of the Snow. Anyway, just, you know, eat uh, beforehand, I would say. Uh, Otherwise, the actors. Just chewing on an arm while watching it. Yeah. (laughs) Beef jerky. If you ate beef jerky during <laughs> somehow, Society of the Snow. Somehow your joke is worse than mine, and I use an actual human appendage. <laughs> if you eat a light pink beef jerky, you're a sick, Just sick a man. Just a raw steak, yeah. Anyway. Australian, the Australian Academy of Cinema and Television Awards. They went for Barbie on, on the big... The big uh, awards of the night. Best International Film, Lead Actress for Margot Robbie, and Supporting Actor Ryan Gosling. Of course, Margot Robbie is Australian. She was in the audience. That's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Aussie Specific Awards, they kind of went to the new boy, Kate Blanchett's film, that actually won the Golden Frog, by the way, and Talk to Me. They kind of split between those two films. Talk to Me won six, including Best Film Direction and Lead Actress to Sophie Wilde there, the the Philippou brothers, Philip Howe. Philippo brothers, they, they uh, hey, they win here. They win in an Australian academy. I just feel sometimes like, again, horror is looked upon with with snub noses, Michael, yep. with, with upturned noses, mm-hmm. I should say, pug noses, because it wins here at a major academy, and it can't, like, get anything at the Oscars. Like, yeah, that's true. the best horror movie of the year? Like, what the hell, man? Well, hopefully at least uh, maybe you know, the new Oscars uh, category that's coming in the future might – be a little kinder to horror as the Oscars are adding a casting category starting next year. Uh, this was a big talk, uh, I think, over the last weekend or so. It kind of came from out of nowhere, but when you do a little digging, and uh, as a couple people at the Hollywood Reporter Variety did, talking about how the former leaders of the Academy or some of them uh, were casting directors in their previous lives anyway, this kind of makes a little bit of sense. It does make sense. They created the branch a while ago. You know, branching off. Uh, for stunts is actually plausible as well. because I forget what they call it. They have like some miscellaneous branch now that looks like it's forming for stunt work, uh, perhaps. It's you know, be the nice. acting branch, 
the acting branch could always do the mocap voice actor award. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like that can come. Sure. And maybe when they shuffle the categories around, or as Scott Feinberg's been saying for years, do the short films ever get moved to the you know the 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 other Governors Oscars, awards like and stuff like that. Yeah. Governors awards or yeah, does that does that ever get moved to the technical Oscars? Well, we shall see. But we did get a fun tweet string from Ron Pitts, at Ron L. Pitts. uh, And he said, hey, Mikes, if you do a bit on casting category here, make sure you go back about 10 years and let us know what you think the winners would be. Uh, This would let us know what you're thinking of compared to ours. Uh, So this was a fun little assignment that I I took for him. I just said five years. You know, it's podcasting here, Ron. So we're just going to go five years back. But I did look at the BAFTAs, which you said probably shouldn't start there because of course, you know, the BAFTA is going to BAFTA. So mm-hmm. we didn't really stick with the BAFTAs necessarily, like Rocks. They had 2020. Here are the nominees. Rocks won Overcome with Horses, Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman. You know, obviously the, the two films that didn't get any Oscar traction were in there. But we also have the Ardios Awards. We have the uh, Casting Guild here in America. So they have a bunch of categories, like literally like 10 categories every year in their film section uh, that we could have drawn from. So there's so some educated guesses in what I, you know, I chose here. I just want to ask you off the top here, Michael, for the casting awards, these hypothetical you know, revisionist steampunk history that we're about to do. Yes. Did you pick your choices? Yes. Or did you go with what you think the Academy would pick? I went primarily with my choices, but there was also, I, I, I find myself battling sometimes as to like, one, is this realistic? Two, would I give this, the, am I giving this the nomination here just because it had so many actors nominated in the individual categories? And that led me to think like, well, what are the, the, the voters going to do? How are they going to think about this the, with this type of category? Are they going to look for like, oh, well, she's clearly going to be one of the actresses nominated in lead actress. So her ensemble has to be here for her casting has to be here within this five and blah, 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 that, that type of rabbit hole thinking. So uh, yes, to answer your question shortly is they were pretty much just my favorites, but I did uh, find myself approaching them in different ways. Interesting. All right. Well, I went with the, uh, I'm going to pretend to be the Academy in this instance, and I would have guessed what okay. they would have nominated in, in these last five years. So we'll start with this year. My guess is that they would, would have nominated Barbenheimer, both those films, yes. Killers, Holdovers, American Fiction. I would guess they would pick Barbie as the winner in casting because you had Ken, you had Barbie, you had the American for Ferrera part that was so pivotal. You scoured all of the. What you know, would you pick? What, would you, what do you want to win there? This is an interesting question because no, I would probably still pick Barbie. So maybe I'm okay. Uh, but uh, look at Killers of the Flower Moon has a case to be made. Just finding Dominic Sessa has a case to be made. Mm-hmm. I, I think, but yeah, Barbenheimer, Killers, Holdovers, American Fiction, Barbie would have been my guess at the Academy's winner, and it would also have been my winner. Well, how about you? I had four of the same five. I had Barbie, Oppenheimer, American Fiction, Flower Moon, uh, replace Holdovers with poor things for me. But, okay. Uh, as far as... You didn't like Dominic Sessa. No, getting, I, wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't crazy about him. I, was, I did like, I mean, the poor things, the, the three-headed ensemble there. Uh, find was me another too actor young... What, Sessa? Yeah, was he too young, sexy, and thin for you to like him? I mean, <laughs> no. I, <think. laughs> I do not. 
I have no feelings of jealousy about the way Dominic Zetzel looks. I promise you. Uh, as much as I do other people, Jacob Elordi included. No, 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 no. We've been making fun of you because you just happen to dislike all these young, sexy, thin yeah. Yeah. young Well, maybe men. that means he's sexy. Oh. Maybe that's a good thing for him. A certain I, generation. I yeah, that's not right. a... I, I defy you to find another actor that could pull off Willem <laughs> Dafoe's character in Poor Things, though. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So. Uh, we can move back to 2022. Everything Everywhere All at Once won Best Picture. I believe it won the Zeitgeist Award at the Ardios uh, of America Awards there, I think. Uh, Fablemans won another uh, Ardios Award. Banshees won another. Elvis won the BAFTA, All Quiet on the Western Front. You know, cast a lot of uh, newcomers, in my opinion. So those would be my five nominees in, tw- in 2022. Last year for casting, Everything Everywhere All at Once was just winning everything. Yep. I'm guessing it would have won there as well. You're probably right. Uh, I picked Everything Everywhere. I picked Banshees, which is kind of cheating because when you have, you know, that three-headed lead as well, four-headed lead, quite frankly, just speaking in their native <laughs> language, their native accents, yeah, I could listen to them talk all day. It's great. I don't care what they're talking about. So... <laughs> That's that. Uh, Elvis, I, I went with Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and a Babylon with apologies to She Said and the Woman King. Uh, and I would have picked okay. Elvis, I think. Yeah, Elvis got I was that blown the, away. Uh... by. I mean, finding Austin Butler, having him do pull yeah. off that character, I know it's kind Good. of a one-man one, uh, one show there, but that's still my favorite. Well, there's a lot of historical characters that were brought to life in yeah. that movie. You know, this is enough film probably shot for ten movies. Right. Right, true. Remember that one? Anyway, uh, 2021, Coda probably wins. Just, again, I just think, you know, getting all those... uh, Well, this is another thing I found myself thinking. It's like, okay, so are we just... Is this just another Best Picture category? Well, here's the thing. I'm going like two out of four. So this is something to note. This is something to note. It it will casting be just another composition category. Will it mimic Best Picture down the line? It is true that Ardios Awards, you know, the Casting Guild, a lot of Best Pictures win those awards. Mm-hmm. Uh, the BAFTA, I'd have to look at. I'm not sure, but they've only had it for five years. I, I probably should look at that. I could probably could scroll up because I have it all in pink. But, yeah, I would go with Coda, but I would go for merit reasons. I mean, you cast all these differently abled actors. Sure. You know, you found them off of these, you know, theater troops out there, and they win Oscars. Mm-hmm. In the case of supporting actors. So, Troy Kotzer. Uh, West Side Story, Don't Look Up, King Richard, The Power of the Dog. West Side Story and Don't Look Up won Ardios Awards. And then King Richard, you know, again, mimicking the, uh, the the Williams family there. The Power of the Dog, I do think that was impeccably cast. They fit right into the... Sure. I mean, it, it looked like Montana, but it was the Aussie wilderness there. What, what would you have picked in 2021? Not Dear Evan Hansen. Um, that's something I wanted to make note of. Very good. Yeah. Uh, no, I went with Coda, King Richard as well. I put Belfast in there. Uh, Passing and Nightmare Alley would have been my five. Apologies to Mass, which I've still yet to see. Shame on me for that. Uh, but uh, oh, you'd love that movie. Yeah. That movie is just sad, miserable parade of sadness nightmare. and anger. Yeah, uh, you will love. Can't it. wait to see it. Quite frankly, <laughs> <laughs> I think King Richard. Look, Anjanou Ellis. I still think should have won the Oscar. Obviously, Will Smith doing what he did on the Oscar stage is is reprehensible. But him in that movie was was quite good. And the the two girls playing the Williams sister, we had high marks for as well. Twenty twenty. Here are my nominees. Minari, Trial of the Chicago 7, Nomadland, Mank. And I would have picked One Night in Miami to win. This uh, this film, impossible to cast. You have Muhammad Ali. You have Malcolm X. How did they cast this yeah. film? And yet it, it worked. Uh, yet another famous singer. Forgive me, I forget his name. But One Night in Miami, 
that that would have been my pick that year. That movie that movie went so I can't believe that didn't get nominated Sam Cook, right? Picture, was that the, the uh, was that the Sam Cook? Thank yeah. you, Sam Cook. And yet they just came to life, and it was it was beautiful. So that would have been my pick in 2020. What do you got? I went with Promising Young Woman, Mank, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Sound of Metal, and The Five Bloods. Uh, cool. We talked a lot about how we shot, thought The Five Bloods should have been more represented in the acting category. Chadwick Boseman should have won the Oscar for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and that's what I picked as my winner too. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Who was it? Was that Viola Davis? Am I remembering that correctly? Viola Davis. Yeah, yeah and, and that's that. a good pick because. Yeah. I believe Ma Rainey's got nominated at other casting awards. I don't know. Maybe that I just didn't think of it. Anyway, 2019, Parasite, Joker, Jojo Rabbit, Knives Out, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Again, just judging on what won awards that year for in casting categories, I do think Parasite was on like a rocket ship. Yeah. And I think this would have been another easy category for the Academy to say, oh, yeah, that cast was great. What a great cast. I loved it. And all the twists and turns of the movie and you even the even the – Little known actors were just crushing it in their parts. So, and even though it didn't get any acting Oscar noms, Parasite probably gets here. I don't know. Maybe I'm wish. Uh, it's wishful thinking. Oh, it absolutely would have been nominated at least in this category. And this is, I think, another like a bright side of this category is kind of showing how the casting is separate from the storytelling in the movie itself. Like I would have no problem with Kit Parasite being nominated, even though I had such problems with the way that that movie ended and the story that movie told. Like I think the casting, absolutely. So this is another good reason for this category because it brings about all these new conversations. Like in 2023, I, I, I wouldn't have been, I was trying to find a spot to put in like knock at the cabin or leave the world behind just to have that point be made. Be like, look, I think this was casted really, really well, even though the stories are very polarizing and a lot of people aren't in love with the scripts per se. I think there is a huge difference between casting and uh, and the story there those castings are telling. But uh, I'm with you. I, would, I said Par- 2019 was a loaded year. I said Parasite. Uh, oh. I said Little Women. I said Richard Jewell. That should have had three acting nice. nods. I mean, screw it. And then the last two, which I had in a tie if I had to pick, uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Us, which got disrespected. Another reason that, you know, this this category might be able to shine a light on horror in a way that Best Picture and other, other major categories refuse to. But Us, you can't tell me, wasn't a great casting ensemble. So I picked three out of five what I think are Best Picture winners. Uh, if you're not considering Barbie as a Best Picture winner and we're kind of chalking that up for Oppenheimer... How many Best Picture winners did you select? I don't think any. In terms of your winners? Oh, okay. So th- we have two different takes on what yeah. this category will be. Unless you want to count to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, okay. which should have won. <laughs> Technically, uh, no. Uh, but uh, <laughs> All right. We can move into our Super Bowl trailer segment, but I do want to thank Ron for his question. Yeah. And, yeah, guys, if you have questions and – you know, I mean, we're not going to be able to answer all of them, even though we think we're wise. But I think uh, if, if if it's fun, we'll just do it. We'll, we'll do just our be the best. Centerpiece of our show. Anyway, Super Bowl trailers. No Maxine. And I was suspicious of film Twitter saying Maxine trailer was happening because money. Like, this yeah. movie is budgeted at a million dollars. Just like Pearl and X, there were a million dollars a pop. What do these commercials cost? They cost a half a million dollars at best. No, to have a twenty minute, twenty second. It was like seven, segment. It was like seven million. It was okay. Like... So you're gonna, quad, you're gonna, <laughs> yeah. It was you're insane. Gonna two. Oh my god! You're gonna have double the budget of the whole trilogy for a trailer for one movie, and you might get ten seconds worth. Yeah, and it's a, about a porn. The porn industry. Correct. Come on, a porn industry slasher. They're pulling out a Super Bowl <laughs> ad for that movie. 
Yeah. The movie's already going to make, you know, $10 million on a $1 million budget. They know they got profits, A24. Yes. What are they, what indie are we, indie movies aren't where you see the, uh, they're not advertised during the Super Bowl for that reason. This is where the Super Bowl is for the big studio films, the big budget movies. And speaking of, Deadpool and Wolverine, this has become the most watched trailer of all time within 24 hours. Uh, 365 million views. And that's $5 billion at the box office, Michael. So Marvel is saved, uh, I think, uh, forever. Every, so no more doubting. Every person in America watched this trailer once, is what that number means. Um, that's unbelievable. So this was originally Deadpool 3, right? And now it's Deadpool and Wolverine. You were suggesting that title change, weren't you? I did, and I yeah. I, so you I was credit. joking that at my prediction because it's in the it was a low hanging fruit prediction. Right. But listen, you take the wins where you can of get course. them. When you look into the the mirror of you Lord of the Rings, play the and you see mm-hmm. and you see the scouring of the Shire, <laughs> and when it's real and you talk about it, it's just it makes you feel good. Yeah. I think um, you play the but schedule Deadpool and Wolverine right. was an obvious. Again, I'm not going out on a limb, but I was like, why don't they just call it that? You're you're marketing the movie on those two characters. They just clearly do it. And saw now you can, tweets. Yeah, and then they they clearly just said, of course, mm-hmm. of course, we should do that. <laughs> and guess what? We don't have to pay these guys. We don't have to pay these guys a freaking dime. <laughs> of course not. But uh, here's the thing: like, this is not a great trailer, in my opinion. Uh, not a not a great trailer in terms of the hype. Let's just say. Uh, super fans like Matthew Vaughn, the director of Argyle and the Kick-Ass movies and the, what was that, the Kingsman movies, mm-hmm. he was talking about this movie like, this is saving the MCU, it's happening, this movie's great, but I don't like the TVA stuff here. I mean, using the Loki show without any of our favorite Loki characters to bring him into the MCU doesn't make a ton of sense sense for me. I mean, you have Kihei Kwan, you have Tom uh, Hiddleston, you have Owen uh, Wilson, you have all these great characters and you don't bring any of them into this movie to, like, liaison. You just have Tom Wamsgams <laughs> being weird and British and buttoned up. And who gives a crap? Like, what are we doing? Got to break a few Gregs to make a Tomlet. I don't understand. I, I'm just thoroughly confused. What is this movie supposed to be doing? So Deadpool's now in our world, Right. Because Marvel isn't a thing. Do I thing. have to explain the TBA to you? Well, like Marvel, you didn't watch the Disney. No, Plus no, and I don't think I'm no, alone in not having not watched Loki and wanting to watch the Deadpool movie. And I don't want this is like, where your chickens come home to uh, well, to, to TFB Disney. Guess what? Not everybody's going to watch that show. So now I'm thinking like, okay, so Deadpool is in the real world, and he has to change Marvel. So he's totally breaking down the fourth wall, but. If he's in our world, isn't the only way to change Marvel? Like, don't you not need a superhero? Don't you just need, you know, a director and a writer? I'm not. I, I, like, here's the, here's the catch twenty two, people. Here's what I'm in. <laughs> like, if I if I explain this to him, he's going to resent me for explaining it to him. And if I don't explain this to him, he's going to have a grudge against the movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I, here's what I will say. I, I won't I won't spoil Loki. I think Loki season one is an awesome season of television. You probably would enjoy that. Okay. Season two wasn't as good, but I don't think he, I don't think you need season two to be good to enjoy season one, so you might want to watch season one. All right. But uh the dead the Deadpool trailer here, I, I enjoyed the slow motion gung fu stuff. 
That was funny. Deadpool's funny. I love the last shot, clearly. I mean, him and Wolverine are going to be really funny together. That's mm-hmm. going to be perfect. The shadow is great. They have the same regenerative power. So, you know, for him to just <laughs> stab him to lift him up off the ground is funny to me. Uh, and then I love the social media stuff. Ryan Reynolds tweeted, wait till you see the Deadpool popcorn bucket. And then Hugh Jackman tweeted, fixed it. And it was the logo saying Wolverine and asshole. They have very so, good social teams. Ryan Reynolds also being like, I hope everyone saw the Deadpool movie. Has anyone seen my wife? With Blake Lively being in the box with Taylor Swift on the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. That's All that stuff is good. So yeah. that, that, that works for me. And that probably matters way more than this actual trailer, right. I guess. Right. I mean, this, this movie's going to make a zillion dollars. The other big film Twitter favorite trailer was Twisters, Michael. Glenn Powell, Daisy Edgar Jones, Katie O'Brien of Love Lies Bleeding, David Korn Sweat of Superman, Anthony Ramos of In the Heights, Daryl McCormick of The Lesson, Brandon Perea of Nope, Sasha Lane of American Honey, Kiernan Shipka of Totally Killer. This is like young Hollywood all lining up to work for this nostalgia play of this, what, what is this, like a 30-year-old sequel to Twister from 1997, was it? Uh, and we have Minari's Lee Isaac Chung directing. And then I don't like this trailer either. Is that why I'm bummed for this episode? Because this just feels like a straight-up remake. This feels like a yeah, cynical does. requel. It I does. remember that movie very well. I was 12 years old, I believe, when it came out, and I was just in a prime time for a PG-13 movie-going experience that I went and saw it with my friends. And then this is like the most blatant ripoff ever. So Powell's on the record saying it's this is a completely original story. There's no carryover characters from the original this is supposed to be, it's not going to be a sequel at all. It's just going to be a totally separate standalone story. I don't know. Take that for what it's worth as far as the lore goes. Like we, we just have Pepsi cans that have been cut by uh, Matthew McConaughey getting uh, deposed by <laughs> detectives into the flying thing. Like you can't, like we don't have more advanced technology since the first movie again. We're like, what are we doing? And then they have the same highlights, like that branded Perea going twins. Perea, excuse me. I think these movies are so stupid <laughs> because there's no tension. For me, there's no... I'm supposed to feel tension and fear for these people because they happen to be caught in a strong tornado when the conceit of this film is that these people make their professional livings chasing strong tornadoes. Like, gee, I wonder if they make it, first of all. Perhaps we'll lose a minor character or two along the way. Like, no shit, you're in danger. Why would I feel bad for you? It's not like you're choosing a lifestyle and a profession where it's like something catastrophic has to go wrong for you to be in danger. You are chasing something catastrophic. Death is part of this, what you're signing up for, man. Why would I? Who cares? Why do I care That's that you're in danger? Why. That's why you need Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. It's like, game over, man. Yes. Game over. You need a character like that to pull it all together. And how do you have a sequel to Twister script. or whatever you want to call this and not have something with a cow in the trailer? Good point. Good point. If you're going to go nostalgic. Yeah. But they didn't do that. Uh, I do like some of the CGI, though, and here's why. And I, I like how yeah, the CGI well, look, look interacts. Good. I agree. Well, I thought it looked good, but it also interacts with the characters. Like, we see stuff crashing into the car. So it's not like Ghostbusters where the whole planet is becoming spiky ice sculptures mm-hmm. and then nobody gets hurt. Nobody even stubs a toe. But we, here we have the CGI interacting. So the carnage is actually happening to the characters. So I'm with that, but 
I don't know. This was this was not. Uh, maybe I'm a contrarian to film Twitter because this was not a fun well, trailer for me. Yeah, because film Twitter, I think they all orgasmed at once when they saw this. Tra- I mean, it was this trailer had them by the throat. And I mean, mm. I, I don't know that I'll see this movie, but it doesn't. Like Glenn Powell is going to be an uber superstar, and that's really all that matters. Hey, anyone but you, 170 at the worldwide box office now on a 25 million dollar budget. So that movie did what I said it was going to do, man. It's a good looking man. Legs. ZZ Top sang a song about that. Legs. LaGrange? All right. Oh. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, Michael. All right. I, I didn't love the TV spot because it was like this chanting What a Wonderful Day trailer that annoyed me. Right. And yet, when you watch the full new trailer, we get stupendous VFX and mocap. Even from the firelight opening, I'm like, the cinematography, these apes look real. And then we get this convincing way to bring humans into the story. We have one smart human, even though the rest of them are regressed into these cave people kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And I like that, the okay, the main character of this movie is Caesar's whatever, great, great, great grandson. Okay, so that was and my question. So this isn't the same Caesar. No, Caesar in skirmish for the pond of the right. monkeys. <laughs> Caesar meets his demise is what I'm okay. I, I, I don't remember. No, I, I don't remember if he did, but he didn't. Uh, all right. But it because my my thinking I was if this is Caesar still, like the lifespan of an ape is only forty years, so humanity fell this far in in as many WrestleManias <laughs> as we've had so far. <laughs> I uh, I don't know. I but maybe it's his son, but maybe it's uh, maybe it's his great grandson. Right. I don't know. I thought it was his great grandson. I hope that uh, to be honest. I like the first Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, I believe that was called, or Rise, or whatever, whatever the hell. I didn't like the next two. Two and three, I wasn't a big fan of, even though, again, film Twitter loves it. So maybe this is just us finally having a schism with finally. Twitter yeah, finally. of film. <laughs> it's never happened before. How unforeseen. A Quiet Place, day one. There was a Super Bowl spot. There was a full trailer. I just want to shout out this cast, though, first and foremost. Like, we are getting spoiled with the acting prowess yep. of these casts for John Krasinski movies in, in the A Quiet Place universe. We started out with Krasinski, with uh, Emily Blunt, uh, obviously Millicent Simons, just doing great work. I was and hoping that when we, did the, Murphy. Uh, when we did the look back, the casting ensemble practice that we did a little bit ago, I was hoping we would get to where I could put A Quiet Place in, because that definitely would have been my five. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, even the sequel, you got Killian Murphy mm-hmm. and Dijuman, uh Jaman Hansu there. Lupita Nyong'o is going to star in this third movie or this prequel. You have Stranger Things, Joseph Quinn, who everybody wants to see more of. You have Alex Wolf of Hereditary, an MMO favorite there. Yeah. And you got Jaman Hansu, who's, you know, we saw from the, the, the sequel. So that gives us hope. He's a casting of hope. And he's a great actor, too. Going back to Gladiator, Mike. Yeah. So. I'm in. Just I'm in for the, the cast here. Put Lupita Nyong'o in every horror movie you have. She's great. Um, well, you need the acting to be great right. because they're selling the fear. Well, that's what I... And this is the difference job. between, like... My, I sarcastically put this tra- this movie needs more talking monkeys and tornadoes. Like, do you understand the tension in this movie is, like, aliens or whatever these things are, these monsters have invaded, and that's an unforeseen danger as opposed to chasing a tornado <laughs> where the danger is very foreseen and yes bad things will probably happen to you but that's at your own choosing 
Yeah. Where are the stakes and twisters? Eh, they might get what they're walking into. Yeah. Right? But, yeah. <laughs> like, you can't walk into a house and be like, oh, my God, I'm in a house. But Lupita did not know she had to stay so quiet. Right, right. But look at, she's like hiding under a car, and that car in New York City is terrifying. I'm all for it. She's hiding in the subways, subways, and she's covered with all this, you know, the the white soot from the, oh my God, that's terrifying, especially in New York City for obvious reasons. And then you have, and then you have, uh, I mean, in the streets, you know, looking out over the Brooklyn Bridge, which we've all done, which they did in past lives. For Christ's sake, and the Brooklyn Bridge is melting, burning, yeah. and collapsing, and you're just watching her face melt and fall. Oh my God! I, I was a big fan of this trailer. Yeah, me too. Was. Me too. I'm I'm excited. I wasn't like super excited for that movie, but now I am. This is this trailer work right there. It's advertising. Good job, Hollywood. Here's where we go back <laughs> to the dark side. Wicked. Wicked has a trailer, and look, this cast is phenomenal. Cynthia Revo, a Tony and Grammy Award winner, is the lead here. Ariana Grande, of course, she's going to be able to sing her her head off. John M. Chu is the director of In the Heights. Uh, he's going to be able to stage a really big budget musical, I'm sure. The makeup, the costumes, they look very interesting. They look good. They 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 look real. But this CGI Oz, it's just the same as all of the Narnio, Alice in Wonderland, Middle Earth yeah. cartoon silly bullshit. Well, it's the same as every Oz doing? we've ever seen. Like when the, the first opening shot of this trailer, I thought this was a sequel to that Mila Kunis Return to Oz movie we got like eight years ago or whatever. Like Oz has always looked, nobody does anything different to Oz ever. I just want I, I I just want practical effects. I'm just sick. I'm sick of this green screen nonsense, and it's bad animation. So can we just move past it at some point, Hollywood? Like when? Are, like didn't we realize from the Star Wars prequels that this was not the future of the business, or maybe it just made too much money and it is the future of the business, and the future is now, and I don't like it. I'm even more cynical. I'm done with movies being mu- musical movies. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you're oh, you're just against musicals now. Yeah, well, that's I, go they're just well not. The, I mean, Cats, go, this yeah. in the Heights. <laughs> I'm done with it all. What was uh, what was the movie that threw you over the edge there? This trailer, but before this trailer, in the Heights was like so. Everybody loved West Side it. It was, Story. West Side Story was another one. Like all these, they suck. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Cats suck. They're always they're just always letdowns to me. I, I'd rather watch them on the stage. Like they're they're beautiful and magical when you see them happening in real time. Right. But with all the effects done to death and shit, and it takes away from the the beauty of musicals is that you're seeing people do this live in front of you. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It loses something in translation when you know it could be edited to hell. Yeah. If it felt like a big budget musical that was being done in front of us, you know, like the color purple, you know, like they're out in the woods filming that. Yeah. It's affecting. Right. right. It worked on me. Right. And you know, they have the voices and you know, the talent is there. But here, if it's just Ariana Grande singing in front of a green screen with goofy ass green trains, at least gave her a cat's uh, asshole, you know? <laughs> All right, we're going to go a little faster now. Despicable Me 4 had a Super Bowl spot. I don't even know what this is. It's like a fake commercial, and then Minions are there. Yeah, it's perfect. But And then Minions are... 
great. Perfect. But it's minions. Yeah. That formula. Yeah. Uh, I guess it works. You, you I guess stick it works. those yellow thumbs in anything and I'm in. <laughs> gobbledygook nonsense. I saw a couple like that were this was like oh the Minions 4 trailer or Despicable Me 4 trailers out and there were a couple spots during the Super Bowl that had this that was like the trailers available now online and it's like nothing like paying three and a half million dollars to give us homework to go find the real trailer somewhere you know and get the full preview experience but okay well, they get they get they get everybody. Yeah. They get the kids watching and then they get you having to do the uh, rabbit hole mm-hmm. on YouTube but uh yeah, I mean, it's just these movies are going to sell. They like they had a wedgie, and they just snapped the back of the underwear to schmap the hiney of the of the Dominion one year. That was the whole marketing, just Dominion hiney. I was going to say I would watch the Minions read the phone book, and then I thought of how that would look on screen, and I started chuckling. So I would watch the Minions <laughs> read the phone book. <laughs> anyway, Kung Fu Panda 4, they actually took what was a funny piece of their trailer, the Crazy Rabbit Kids. Yes. And they made it kind of annoying, grating. You didn't like the it? Super Bowl spot? No, I liked it. Like these kids, it, it just seemed like it just seemed like it messed up. <laughs> I don't know. Kung Fu Panda Four. I, I was in, and now I don't know. Maybe I'm not. All right. Well, violence also makes my tummy tingle, so I get it. Well, look at I hated this next Super Bowl spot for the Fall Guys. I don't understand why. It is a just onslaught of horrible editing. Yes. And disconnected jokes yes. where we neither get the setup and the payoff. <laughs> so it's just like references to things that are we kind of get, sort of. Like he's listening to Taylor Swift. We finally get one joke that actually plays out a little bit at the end yeah. with Taylor Swift. But the harebrained montage here of unrelated gags for the fall guy was... Just horseshit. Just horseshit and goddamn them all. But didn't the first trailer take itself way too seriously? Like, this one at least gave me the hope. The first trailer told the story. I got what was going on. Like, right. give me a but funny it was also, scene. I thought this was, the first. based on the first trailer, I thought this was going to be like an overly, like, somewhat serious Ryan Gosling has to be thrust into this real world. Like, Here's the thing. Here's the thing. This was a Team America trailer parody. Terrence and Phillip. <laughs> South, what those South Park guys always made fun of, and whatever. <laughs> Words go by very fast. <laughs> the fall guy is going to do just fine because of the Taylor Swift joke at the end saved it all. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she is just that, uh, she's just that bankable right now, is, is my guess. But true. I like the Monkey Man Super Bowl spot. Monkey Man is going to have. It's going to have a draw of Jordan Peele and Dev Patel, and they have big letters. Hey, this is produced by Jordan Peele. It's directed and starring Dev Patel. Big letters. And we actually preclude that, or prelude it? Anyway, we prelude it with a uh, just setup of the, the mother setting up the story of the monkey man fighter and we kind of start off the kitchen action sequence where he walks in and it's ominous and then we actually show some of the kitchen action sequence scene the one crazy fight scene that we saw in the trailer and hell yes i'm in just title it john wick five i'm fine with that Get a way bigger box office if you do that yeah you'll get sued but who cares they can handle it they got good lawyers and if they don't i know someone they can hire uh (laughs) michael if If I am not prepared for that kind of case, (laughs) this is John Krasinski uh, directing 
this kid's movie about imaginary friends, IF, and Ryan Reynolds starring. And this movie, despite the fact that I like both of those people, this movie seems like my hell. Just <laughs> asinine jokes for eight-year-olds. Yes. Eight-year-old jokes. Yeah. Like, this, this, this movie, I wanted to just, like, the end of Smile. I, I never want to watch this movie. The full trailer was awful. The spot is even more annoying. I mean, everybody just on a highway to hell. Just go there. I just hate, hate, hate this trailer. I'm full of vitriol in this episode. Yeah, I, I feel I like if, if you were to see the Monsters, Awful. Inc. trailer for the first time in the attitude and the headspace you're in right now, you would just like that was clever, push though. you off the edge. That was clever. I think you'd hate this it. This is just, ugh. <laughs> This, this was this. fine. This was nothing. This had no impact on my life whatsoever. <laughs> you could tone it out. You could tone it out. But me, I'm like looking to see every movie. I got to see every movie. My Oscars. Yeah. And why that's I why, why I can't do, do that, Mike. Well, why do I have to be this You way? don't. I should just say I don't want that. No, I don't want to see this movie. I should leave it be. I see. Like Madam you, You're resentful that it exists because you know you have to see everything. Yeah. So that's a you problem. I don't want to be that way right. anymore i think that's what this episode's proving to me like <laughs> madam webb all the reviews came out they're terrible yeah what a surprise it looks awful but but like we i like now i could just say i wash my hands i don't have to yeah. see it is and am i being a jerk no Can I say that i feel like i'm being a jerk you're not <laughs> but it's better it's better that i don't see it and and i don't <laughs> ravage it just just absolutely destroy it end of smile here's right? an idea watch what appeals to you <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I don't I don't compute this head this anyway inside out two all right we had a Super Bowl spot for inside out two and this was a, a fine spot it was kind of a you know build, building on the what we know is going to happen inside her brain but we also saw the kid the the girl named joy playing hockey and there's a funny gag with her putting in the wrong mouthpiece yuck but it was goofy and she's making all these goofy mistakes and she's getting anxiety over it and all right we're gonna meet a new character anxiety they're really hiding the ball about this anxiety character though huh like this is the third Mm. look or third or fourth trailer at this point that we've got nothing about that character at all the first movie was a huge hit Mm. and it was a huge hit because you had all the characters and now you're gonna Work in a lot of uh, mental health awareness characters, which I think is going to be good for everybody. Probably, yeah. I hope. Yeah. Anyway, imagine if Pixar just demonizes mental health with this movie. Oh no! <laughs> 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 All right, we got uh, a couple of non-Super Bowl trailers because I just think these are these are big trailers for the mics. I mean, again, if you ask me what appeals uh, to this yep. Michael, long legs. One of these is appealing to me. <laughs> the other one I was... is pure nonsense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting there. But Long Legs, <laughs> yes. writ- written and directed by Osgood Perkins. Have you ever seen The Black Coat's Daughter? No, I haven't, but I want to. I want to rewatch it. I remember liking a lot of it. A lot of it. And maybe it was a little grating in parts, but I liked a lot of The Black Coat's Daughter, and I can't remember it very well. But... Every shot of this trailer for Long Legs is something I'm interested in. And it's just like, you like, can't help it. Like, I've been craving one of these movies for a long time. A deranged serial killer hunted by a relentless detective. Just sign me up with this satanic panic backdrop. The 1980s. Yeah. 80s, um, 
Maika Monroe hunting down Nicolas Cage, and we don't even see Nicolas Cage no. in here. We hear him, we recognize his voice, but he's covered in like this hair. Oh my God, he's creepy. And we have serious, seriously scary visuals here. Like a child notices a station wagon with a person, a silhouette of a person just staring at them through the windows, we, we think. And it's just like chilling. And then a, a creepy gift left for a girl working at the counter of a phar- pharmacy. Ew. A faceless Nicolas Cage just jo- Joker dancing alone in his house. Ugh. And then we get a few of the murder strikes, like the actual death blows in this trailer that are shown. But we don't, we're just like, what the hell just happened? Jesus. Even the, and the posters, the posters are disgusting. Oh my God. They're hiding I am a like, lot of it too. They're hiding a lot of the yeah. story. The synopsis, FBI agent Lee Harker is assigned to an unsolved serial killer case that takes unexpected turns, revealing evidence of the occult. Harker discovers a personal relationship to the killer and must stop him before he strikes again. I just started playing Alan Wake 2, which is a video game. Uh, I'm only like four or five hours into it. Very similar. What was Alec, Alan Wake 1 about? Uh, similar themes, occults, and it's actually kind of like in the mouth of madness, but taking to the next level. Hmm. That makes sense. And this kind of plays off the first story, but it's more having to do with like uh, an actual cult group and uh, different killings going on. But at the same time, there's this backdrop of like an FBI investigation, all this weird shit. It's it's very similar. But what I'm saying is that this is right up my alley. And yeah, even I'm the first even well. the first teaser, we had like this slow zoom into this smiling family portrait with this nine one one call playing in the background that was very unnerving and very creepy. The marketing's been good for this one so far. You don't really get much of anything about the story, but it's staying intriguing. And I'm grateful for it because I'm hoping the story delivers. Yeah. You know, that's what you always mm-hmm. hope. But who knows? But uh, I look, I, I'm watching True Detective season five and some episodes are better than others. I, I'm a little bummed out by the fact that Pizzolatto is kind of right about this. And even though I just don't like the fact that he's like, why, what? It's just no class to come out and just rail against Issa Lopez like that. But no class. But he's fucking right. It's not a great show. I don't, I don't know That's who that is. Sucks. Who's Pizzolatto? He, Nick Pixelato, he wrote the first season of True Detective, probably uh, the greatest season of television ever, right? Yeah, I mean, for us bros. I mean, all the bros love it, bro. But uh, he's just coming out and saying, not my True Detective, Night Country, I don't want my name out. Like, just why? Why would you do all that? It's just such sour grapes. It's so dis- uh, despicable. Like, uh, just what a jerk. Yeah, that's no good. And But he's right. This, this show kind of sucks. Not a good season. That's a shame. I had high hopes for it. Last trailer here, Michael. Sasquatch, Sasquatch Sunset. Sunset. Yeah. Starring Riley Keough, Jesse Eisenberg from Bleecker Street. I'm just going to say this. Best picture, look out. Well, it's going to be nominated it's for makeup and hair, right? I didn't realize <laughs> no. when you first started talking about this movie, I didn't realize Riley Keough and Jesse Eisenberg are playing Sasquatches. <laughs> Apparently, like, uh, oh man, I gotta pull this up. But you, you give me your, give me your takes on the trailer. I'm gonna look up a Rotten Tomato. It's absurd. Now you go. No, it's just, no, it's it's just a family of Sasquatches just like doing nothing. They're hanging out by a sunset. They're banging each other. They're they're sneezing on one another and just watching the wilderness. And there's a lot of off shots of animals staring at them, which is kind of cool, but obviously just edited in. It, it, it's just bizarre. The poll quote from one of them, from a variety or one of the trades in the trailer, is that this is a unicorn of a movie that has to be seen to be believed. That's always a good start. 
And yet everything I read, I can't even find the pull quotes. Everything I read was just like, we watch Sasquatches screw, piss, shit, puke, and do everything vile for two hours, and it's glorious or something. Like I forget what the. I mean, you cannot see you. you, If you didn't tell me Keogh and Jesse Eisenberg were in this, I would have no idea who those actors are. Yeah, that's why I say the makeup might actually be in contention for something. I don't know, man. I think uh, costume design, if that's what that is. I don't know what it is. I'm hoping it's good because we need like a a funny, a good Bigfoot movie to come out at some point. I mean, the last one was uh, Harry and the Hendersons. (laughs) Do we need that? (laughs) We need that. We need that. Yeah, we do. We do. We, me. I want one. All right. Anyway, did we talk enough trash in this episode? What else we got left? Let's go down. Okay, we got we got to make the case segment. Um, all right, you watched American Fiction. I don't know if you watched anything else since we last spoke. No, nah, I've been playing. Uh, you kind of okay. Well, what do you think of American Fiction? Though? It's good. I, I understand why. Uh, part of me thinks that it was nominated for Best Picture strictly like for the reasons that it's kind of made fun of within the movie, and like. There's like a a large part of like white guilt trying to relate to like the black experience in this, but it is a real well-written movie. I'm stunned that this is the first movie by a writer or a director in Court Jefferson. Mm-hmm. Who I, I mean, mm-hmm. Court, Celine Song beating out Court Jefferson for that first director DGA award is no, that is stiff competition having seen this now. So you think that the white guilt over the white guilt and making fun of making white people laugh over their white guilt is, is the secret ingredient here? <laughs> I, no, I don't think the because I did I did do that like we all did that right, I mean, it was right. A funny... and it is a funny movie like my theater was la- I, I only had like twelve people in the theater but I mean the, the jokes were hitting and it was laugh out loud funny at certain parts but it was, it was really funny yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't expecting it to be as funny as it was this is poor things I was not expecting to be as funny as they were but I, I love that we got comedies up for best yeah really really good that's... watch really fun watch I think I gave it a B plus I actually. I have to get a Google Doc going of my movies I watched this year because ever since MS Word crapped out on me, I haven't been keeping them, and I have to keep them. How do you how do you live? How do you live with yourself? How do you live the next day of your life? I shouldn't have said anything. What in God's name is wrong with you? I'm going to use God's name in vain in a second yeah, again. You if you anything. don't create, like you have Google Documents, my mouth you have it shut. You have it, and you don't do this? What is Google Docs for, if not for this? Like, I'm seriously red in the face right now. How would you you go through the next hour of your life and not have... I have things to do, man. Just like, poof, it's gone. Like, you don't even know what the hell... Like, I would have no equilibrium. Uh Uh-huh. (laughs) <laughs> sorry i'm sorry i uh i i don't know what's wrong with you anyway american fiction like a rare like if you saw american fiction with that high grade from you you would not have said that snarky thing you said at the beginning like american fiction of course it's a best picture nominee because i kind of liked it and you don't like anything that's true I, but i still would have said the snarky <laughs> thing I mean, this does take pot shots at the like how white people try way too hard to uh, 
uh, empathize. Yeah. Uh, the the scene in the Good. beginning when he's at Issa Rae's book reading, and then it pans to Jeffrey Wright at, for a reaction shot, and the white woman stands up right in front of him and starts clapping furiously. Hilarious Fun stuff. Off. Funny. Every phone call in this movie yes. is funny. <laughs> it's so good. That's hard to do as well. Yeah. I mean, how do, how do you pull that off? And Jeffrey Wright is not a comedian. He's, he's pulling He is off. now. So, yeah, yeah. American fiction. He is now. He is now. He was really great in this. Uh, I saw Lisa Frankenstein, Michael. Yes. I, I I'm curious say, about this. I really... Well, I really enjoyed a lot of this movie. Like, Good. there are scenes and sequences. It's a fun hang. I love the music. I love the costumes, makeup and hairstyling, production design, set decoration, especially. I genuinely like the performances from Catherine Newton, Cole Sprouse. I mean, it's a fun hang. And then the the, the girl I'd never seen before was uh, Liza Soberano, and I thought she was terrific as the sister character. She was layered. Yeah, and you never get that from, like, you know, the supporting cast mm-hmm. character necessarily. Uh, but this was like a fun hangout, and I think that's why film Twitter is loving Lisa Frankenstein. That problem with this movie is it just like sabotages itself. Like the script has these perplexing lulls in the action, and like the hangout for me is like in the action, I guess. Okay. Like I, I mean, it's, it's fine to watch her kind of just chill in the bedroom, but like those scenes just don't go anywhere, and there are literal fade ins and fade outs during this movie. Where it just feels like this movie was chopped to hell in post. Oh, really? Just chopped to ever-living hell. And maybe I'm judging this movie, uh, unfortunately, because, you know... Uh, the, you're the not, you're watching it the way the studio wanted you to watch up. it, as opposed to the way it was intended. By the, the suits by the cut this one up, yeah. up. Because I love the major plot points. Like, they're fun and they're effing wacky, gotcha. man. They're whacked out. I love it. I love a horror comedy that goes for broke. But like at best, you like you're melodramatic at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like this wanted to be a death becomes her, and pull off twists like that. I think that was one of the movies and, that she cited. Uh, Zelda Williams. This is a Zelda Williams movie, yeah. right? Am I thinking thinking of the right one? And, and Death Becomes Her is one of my favorites. She was like favorites. Drop Dead Fred. Um, drop Dead Fred. Drop Dead Fred. Death Becomes Her. Sure. And maybe Cry Baby was the other one, or it was Weird Science maybe this, one of those. This movie was on its way and. Lisa Frankenstein just had these really odd, odd movements and it just wasn't enough. Like I wanted like another 45 minutes on this movie and maybe let those scenes play out, let the hangout stuff just play. Or I want to just keep, keep the action going and give me more of it. She needed to go to Netflix is what you're saying. It was like a vexing C grade for me because I feel like this was butchered. This movie was butchered in post. Okay. Uh, as much good as there was bad, and I just I feel upset but about a fun that. Watch? I feel like people, yeah, but there, there, there's fun scenes, yeah. and there's fun, yeah, there's still a lot of fun in the movie. Good. I don't know. It was one of those where I was just torn, Lisa Frankenstein. So I'm giving it a C because it's like a belligerent C, even though I know it doesn't work. Like it doesn't right. work. The story doesn't work. Right. Gotcha. Okay. So that's what's frustrating. What about the teachers' lounge? Uh, I I did see the teachers' lounge, and this was terrifying. Children in Germany in this school were terrifying. The parents were terrifying. This poor teacher played by Leonie Banesh. And, and I get why she's getting, you know, lead actress buds throughout the season. She's getting nominated here and there and some wins. Like as an audience member, I am just squirming <laughs> and I'm feeling a shit ton of anxiety just watching her just keep surviving like this situation. It, it just like what a pressure cooker. What a pressure cooker for all angles. And it's one of those movies where she's not infallible either. Like, she makes 
some obvious mistakes, mm-hmm. clearly. And she pays for them so hard. <laughs> oh my god! Like this one, I want I want you to watch this at some point because it's, it's, I will. You know, you, you've been in that world. Yeah, I will get to uh, this. And there's no easy solution here, but you're not gonna like you're not gonna be satisfied by the end of it, like because when we get artistic flourishes, it just raises more questions than answers, and I'm just like left numb. And but look, I, I had a big crowd at the movie theater uh, at my local AMC there. I think people were buzzing after the movie. They were talking about it. Like, this is an easy B-plus all day. And, yeah, I think our society is going to hell in a handbasket. And that's the way we're going to end today's episode. (laughs) So go F yourself. We're Mike, Mike, and Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) No, I told you. I told you. We were in a dark place. Well, we we got out of it for a little bit. We did okay. We did okay. There was some laugh sharing. No, I think that's that's your – you're a miserable – just miserable. I, I was going to swear even more. You could. You're, you're not wrong. <laughs> you're, you're a miserable speak, guy. So if you say your truth. We, we kind of, uh, you say we kind of, you know, we're perked up at a few moments. That's that doesn't do anything. This is also all an act. As soon as these mics go off, I turn into just a curmudgeon. <laughs> the laughter goes away. <laughs> This, Don't you watch Min- Mike, Well, you, then you need to watch more Minions, I guess. Mike 1 is just a facade. <laughs> You're tickled by the Minions. I do have joy with them. I have been trying to concentrate on things that like actually bring me joy. I haven't considered the Minions, and I should. <laughs> <laughs> well, farting and shitting Sasquatch. Very, I'm into that. Very low on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll work yeah. for me. Uh, but otherwise, yeah. Are those I your words know. of wisdom? I don't know. <laughs> Sure, sure. Why not at this point? <laughs> Why not? I'm into I'm into that movie from Bleecker Street. I want to see that immediately. Sasquatch Sunset. So yeah, anyway, guys, as always, dear listener, what matters most to us are your thoughts, comments, questions, and concerns about anything we talked about in this episode or in the MMO Empire at large. You can leave us those on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter or X. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you listen to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do here, if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review, those help us out immensely. Thank you to everyone who has done so thus far. Uh, Michael, you, you gave some words of wisdom. If you want to give more, feel free and tell the good people what's coming next from us. Well, we're going to do the Mike, Mike, and Oscars, I think. Uh, we got Fingers a couple crossed. guests that uh, we're hoping to book, but the Mike, Mike, and Oscars have been on the slate for a while. We've been doing that doc for a while. And if you enjoyed our mood swinging <laughs> so ridiculously in this episode, then you'll love <laughs> you'll love that one, I guess. But I, I do I do look forward to that episode every year. You guys have submitted a bunch of categories. And, yeah, if you, there's still time. If you listen to this and you want to submit a category or two or make a declaration or five about your favorites of the year or your least favorites of the year, we will include them in the episode, barring anything obscene or maybe especially because it's obscene. So we'll, we'll, you'll have to figure that out. Nobody sits um, on a fence like Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I think uh, there's entertainment value in the obscene, mm-hmm. uh, just in, in my life. But uh, look, the MMOs are next. Uh, we'll have some guests. We'll do some Oscars programming coming up shortly. We'll have the BAFTAs to react to heading into next week, Michael. So it kind of the, the deluge mm. begins again, begins anew with the award shows that are about to hit. So that's happening. More Oscar race checkpoints are on the horizon. Uh, that is certainly true. More Oscars uh, in general are on the horizon for us coming uh, for to give to you as well, dear listener. Uh, go ahead. You got something? But look, I mean, 
you could also just go off into the woods and squatch. You can't. Think, uh, that's not a way to live. That's not for humans. That's uh, the very specific. People be squatching. That's There's not a plenty thing. Of squatchers. Not a. Uh, also not a verb. <laughs> I listen to a lot of squatcher podcasts, and they're squatching out uh-huh. there. Uh-huh. And this this trailer was fun because they just kept doing all the things that squatchers say they do. <laughs> so I believe it. <laughs> squatchers and those living in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> Just hedonism, right. sex, and poop everywhere. <laughs> Might be the title of this episode. Guys, when reality sucks, you can hedonism, sex, and poop with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make horse season year-round without the stuffiness. Clearly, uh, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.